Attention to roll call. Welcome to the 265 Police Live Series. Brought to you by the New York's finest retired and unfiltered podcast. The mission of this podcast is to provide expert analysis of past and present law enforcement related events with a trained eye. Listen to the boots on the ground weigh in on the court of public opinion. All right, everybody. Welcome to New York's finest retired and unfiltered podcast. Here we are, 265 Police Live, another weekly series. We're here to discuss police events that are relative, and not only are they relative, the ones that we're seeing lately are relative nationwide. So what I'd like to start out, what's very topical right now, is critical incidents that have happened in Los Angeles in the past week. And what John and I have particularly noticed, which has been happening over time, now, not only, not only is it in New York City, but this epidemic has spread nationwide of the public, the media, the politicians critiquing the police departments and the police officers are being eaten from within. And this is a huge problem right now. If you're a cop out there, I've made a couple of tweets where it was meant to be kind of comical, but it's true. Where if you're a cop right now, honestly, you are playing at the casino. If you work for a police department in a democratic city in the United States of America right now, you are playing at the casino. When you go to work, you're playing blackjack or you're playing roulette. And guess what? The police department that you work for, that's the house. And the house always wins. You might win a hand or two. But you're going to lose the game. And what the game is now, it's catch-22. You respond to a call. If you're unlucky to get a call that's going to head in a direction where you have to use force, and God forbid your adversary meets their demise, or someone you're trying to assist meets their demise, or someone's having a mental health crisis breakdown, and your only choice is to deploy your taser or your firearm. And ultimately, the adversary, the person of interest, ends up dying in police custody or the aftermath of police custody, you're on the hook. And unfortunately, it's easy to say, you know what? Then don't do anything. Just don't do your job. But guess what? It's catch-22. Catch-22. Because you respond to an incident and you don't take action, you're going to be held irresponsible and you're going to be held accountable for not taking police action. That's why you sworn and you took it off. But when you do take action, and unfortunately, when you're playing roulette and you don't hit black, and the person of interest in your custody, unfortunately, meets their demise because you had to deploy a firearm or you deployed a taser and they're under some unknown substances which may be causing excited delirium, the police department that you work for is going to bury you within. The mayor that that police department stands to work for, that mayor is going to bend to the mob. And that's what we're seeing right now. So what I'd like to do right now, I'd like to start out by reading a statement 
from the mayor of Los Angeles in response to three critical incidents that have happened in the past week where the persons of interest in regards to these cases had met their demise. It's unfortunate and tragic, but the police officers did everything they could to prevent the death of another. So let me start by reading this. After the deadly incident, Los Angeles Mayor Karen Bass issued the following statement. I have grave concerns about the deeply disturbing tapes that were released today. My heart goes out to the families and loved ones who are mourning the loss of Keenan Anderson and Oscar Sanchez. Full investigations are underway. And I pledge that the city's investigations into these deaths will be transparent and will, will reflect the values of Los Angeles. I will ensure that the city's investigations will drive only toward truth and accountability. Furthermore, the officers involved must be placed on immediate leave. No matter what these investigations determine, however, the need for urgent change is clear. We must reduce the use of force overall, and I have absolutely no tolerance for excessive force. We must also lead our city forward, finally, on the mental health crisis that has been allowed to grow, fester, and cause so much harm to individual Angelinos, their families, and our communities. Especially as a former healthcare professional, I am deeply troubled that mental health experts were not called in. Even when there was a documented history of past mental health crisis, when there is no immediate risk to others, law enforcement must not be the first responder. When someone is experiencing a mental health crisis, I believe officers and Angelinos agree on this. Tragically, this is a natural crisis. And in reviewing a sample of instances in which people die during encounters with police as part of my legislative work in Congress, my office found that a third or more of the people involved were experiencing a mental health crisis. It is, and here she quotes, it is time that proven reforms are universally implemented and accelerated within LAPD. Los Angeles must lead nationally on mental health and use of police reform. Sorry, use of force reform. I appreciate Chief Moore's decision to release the footage today. Policy allows for up to 45 days before footage of use of force incidents is released. But I believe the Los Angeles Police Department must be as transparent as possible. As expeditiously as possible. Now, here's another quote. Once again, my heart breaks for the families and loved ones who are experiencing such a tragic loss. Now, I must say, I hope for my cops that are out there right now, I hope that this message that you just heard resonates and is piercing your brain because this is the response. God forbid you're out there and you may have to 
retract your firearm and deploy that firearm or deploy a taser or deploy punches or deploy pepper spray in response to your adversary's actions. They dictate your reactive actions as a police officer conducting police work. Shall someone meet their demise, which is tragic and unfortunate, but it is a byproduct of violent natures and those in mental health crisis when they do take action. It's the byproduct of police work. You are on the hook. And this will be the response that you get. Because this response would be the same response of Mayor Adams and those mayors of Democratic cities nationwide. They will eat you from within. And what I gather from this, and I know, John, I'm going to have you talk about this in detail. But in some substance, what this statement says is someone will be held accountable. And that is the police. Knee bending to the angry mob because the angry mob is in charge right now. Now, I had put out a tweet and I put it out today. And it's meant to be comical, but it's true. For my cops that are out there, when you're in the locker room and you're getting dressed, look down at your tool belt and ask yourself, what resources can I use that will look good? Because my gun does not look good. The taser does not look good anymore. Punches, as we know in Staten Island, those don't look good. Pepper spray, we've heard during the riots, does not look good as well. You have the diaphragm, diaphragm law. And you hear what doesn't look good and what you can't do. But no one, not one person, other than John McCary and Eric Dim from New York's Finest Retired Unfiltered Podcast has told you what you can do. So, John, we need to talk about this in detail because this is scary stuff. This statement that I read to me, I, I read, it's, it speaks volumes to me. It's a scary statement, and there's just so much meat on the bone, and we can break this down of what she's saying here. So let's talk about that first paragraph you have in front of you. Hold on. Let me pull that portion up. Um, I mean, so, you know. I want to break it down. I want to read that. Go ahead. I want to. I just want to read that first paragraph again. I have great concerns about the deeply disturbing tapes that were released today. My heart goes out to the families and loved ones who are mourning the loss of Takar Smith, Keen Anderson, and Oscar Sanchez. That's the first statement. Keep in mind. I mean, grave concerns right there. She's saying. She she sees big problems with how the police acted. You know, big, big problems. You know, she says full investigations are underway into these deaths and they will be transparent. And this is the the this is the thing I don't like will reflect the values of Los Angeles. That is such a subjective statement. <laughs> what are the values of Los Angeles? The values of whom? Of the majority, of the minority, of the underrepresented, of the voters, what the values of who, of you, of your politics, of your political particular, your particular political party. I don't know what I don't know what that statement ever means. You know what what it should say is that we will look at all policy and law to determine that none was violated, Um, you know, and look at the incident as a whole again. She's pointing out in this first statement 
And, you know, it's, it's, it's tragic. Nobody wanted any of these gentlemen to die. I can guarantee that. Nobody wanted them to die more than the police officers who interacted with them that day because they knew exactly what would happen if something went bad. So, you know, the, the narrative continues to go out that, you know, and, and based on this statement, you know, and based on the statement of numerous politicians, not just their own mayor, uh, Karen Bass, is that police suit up to go out, use violence and kill people. That's what I take from that. You know, that's th- those are my takes. I have. I, can, I, I can't agree with you more. I, I agree with you a thousand percent. Just in these two paragraphs, that's what I, I, I feel the same way. It's unfortunate. I think it's tragic, and no one, no one, more than the police officers on the scene, did not want to be put in this predicament and did not want to take the lives of these. People that are citizens of our nation, they didn't want to take their lives because they have to go to sleep at night. I'm sure when they close their eyes, they might have nightmares and bad dreams, and they have to think about this. They don't want to take someone's life, but they were placed there. That's that's the calling of a police officer. You don't get to dictate where you're placed. They were placed there because of the time of day that they were working, the time that they were there, they were up. 911 call was transmitted and they responded because they were there. And that's why I said this is playing roulette. Could have been other police officers, a different tour, but whoever those police officers were, it was their time. They were up and they hit red. Furthermore, the officers involved must be placed on immediate leave. Now, so, uh, an impartial statement there or or like a non-biased statement would say, you know, if you were a professional, you would say, you know, that the officers have been placed on a modified assignment while the investigation continues. Right. But no, she says they must. So that, again, suggests guilt on the part of the officer. That, again, suggests that there was wrongdoing on the parts of the officer without an investigation being done. And she she goes on to admit it in the next sentence. She says, no matter what these investigations determine. So no matter when it's determined that the police acted properly, he followed his training, he followed the guidelines of the department, he followed the policy of the department, and he followed the law. No matter if that's determined. doesn't matter, because she already said that. No matter... The, no matter what these investigations determine, the need for urgent change is clear. I mean, right then and there, bang, bang, bang. She, She's the judge, the jury, and the executioner. Guilty, guilty, guilty. That's it. That's exactly what she just said. They're guilty. I mean, the need for immediate change. And again, this is an Eric Adams statement. This is, I don't like what I saw. Or I don't like the outcome, really, is what is what it is. Or maybe they just didn't. Maybe she just doesn't like what she saw because, again, she doesn't know what she saw. You know, she just doesn't know. <laughs> she doesn't know what she saw. That, that's perfect. That's exactly. No, she, she doesn't. And, 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 she, and when she goes on further in her statement, she actually says she has no tolerance for excessive force. Does she even know what 
the appropriate amount of forces. She doesn't know what are necessary forces. She doesn't know what excessive forces. But she has made a delineative determination. Without the facts, just in that statement, they're guilty of using excessive force. You know, and and then and then it goes on to that she's a former healthcare professional, and she's deeply, deeply troubled that mental health experts were not called in, even when there was a documented history of past mental health crisis. When there is no immediate risk to others, I don't know when that is, unless you're in a padded room, and even then, you're you, someone is a danger to the mental health professional so or themselves so i don't know when that when how that would ever be determined in a scenario that somebody was not somebody's in a door having a mental health crisis and not a potential danger to others let's not say maybe right at that second in time they're not a fucking danger to somebody but the potential for violence and danger there is significant. Someone is exhibiting a mental health crisis. I I don't think anyone is more capable of dealing with that scenario than a police officer because we have the tools to overcome it. And we've been in this scenario so many times. I, you know, I got attacked a lot uh, talking about the one incident in particular where the, the cousin of, a of the BLM co-founder was, I don't know. It's alleged that he attempted to carjack a car. He ran away from a car accident. Cop went to stop him. That whole scenario. So I got attacked a lot about that. And one of them, one of the girls said he's obviously having a mental health crisis. And I'm like, I, I don't know that. I mean, he, he's he's either on drugs. He's having he or he's schizo and he's having a mental health crisis or he's he's. Or he just stole that car, or there's a dead body in the trunk, or there's guns in the trunk, or there's or there's or or he just killed somebody, or something happened. He knows that if he gets arrested, he's going to jail for the rest of his life. There's things in that car that he wants to get away from, and he's playing a game to confuse the officer, to trick the officer, to trick all involved. Why? To get away. He runs out into traffic. So I had a bunch of nurses tell me. I deal with people crazy all the time in the hospital, and I never call the police. One, I'm going to say that's absolute bullshit. <laughs> Two, I'm going to say if any way, shape, or form that is true, that you're dealing with a disorderly, mentally disturbed person, you are calling form of police there. You're calling security there. You're calling orderlies there to help strap that person down. And by the way, when you determine that they're too crazy, you shoot them with a needle and tranquilize them. They tranquilize them in the fucking hospital. You know, <laughs> they just stick them and that's it when they uh-huh. get too crazy. So, I mean, I don't uh-huh. know what, like they pretend like, they, you know, they got the, they got the de-escalation. I don't know. I don't know the symbol yet for de-escalation, but like they were pretending like they shot the de-escalation out of the chest. And then, you know, again, the overline. I thought he said it was Care Bear. Yeah, I, but I don't know what the symbol is yet. Of, of I thought he said it was Care Bear. No, but the Care Bear, they all have one has a rainbow, you know? Like, I don't know what the de-escalation symbol is. <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually, I think that this paragraph uh is an extension of, and, and it's a subliminal message for def- defund the police. Especially as a former healthcare professional, I am deeply troubled that mental health experts were not called in, 
even when there was a documented history of past mental health crisis. When there is no immediate risk to others, law enforcement must not be the first responder. When someone is experiencing a mental health crisis, I believe officers and Angelinos agree on this. To me, that statement is extension, is subliminal message of defund the police. I mean, I, 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 I there's no other way to, to put it. You know, I, I don't listen. I don't want anybody to get hurt out there, but I mean, do these people that advocate for social social workers or other forms of response, other than police officers, as being the first response? To me, clearly, they have they have no idea what they're getting themselves into, because you and I know that. Police officers work, it's almost like you're, you work at a magic show. When you respond to a call, it's a mystery. You have a call, and that call is just a, uh, it's just, it's like a fishing line. That fishing line gets you there, but you don't know exactly where that fishing line is going down in the water, right? That fishing line takes you to where you need to go, but we don't know what's inside that water. We can't see it until we reel it in. So that's what I would say. A police officer gets there with that fishing line, and they don't know what it is until they reel it in. You think you're pulling on a little fish, and then the next thing you know, you really there's a big metal can. You don't know, and, and that's what the public doesn't understand. Police officers have no idea. It's a mystery when they go to a call of what's happening. You may have a 911 caller transmit something. It, exactly what's happening there. They may say someone has a mental health crisis, but they're actually carjacking someone. Or it could be a combination of both. I'm not saying this guy didn't have mental health crisis. He, he, maybe he was, but at the same time, he was still a danger to himself and possibly others. We know he was a danger to himself in a, in a taser incident because he was running into traffic. And he was not complying with the orders of the police after he just got into a car accident, which has to be investigated by police on the scene for potential injuries to victims to make sure there's a flow of traffic. There's numerous reasons. I don't see how the police officers would be inappropriate to respond and have another form of response. It just doesn't seem to make any sense. It's not logical. So the the cop, uh, like if we're talking about the, the, the taser incident, that cop talked to the guy for 10 minutes and he kept not following verbal commands and actually gets up and runs into traffic, gets up and runs into traffic. I mean, you know, is is he trying to escape? Is he having a is 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 he uh is he having uh is he having a mental crisis at that time? Is he schizo? Is he bipolar? Is he is he exhibiting? You know, did he take too much drugs and he's overdosing and his body's heating up and he doesn't know what's going on? He's freaking out and he's about to go out of the picture. So there's numerous reasons again why. The officer spoke to him for 10 minutes. He tried to de-escalate through verbal command for 10 minutes. When that failed, and and the, obviously the male is now a danger to himself. He's a danger to the police officer who's following him out into traffic. He's a danger to the police officer because he's not following verbal commands. The police officer is now raised up. Again, like I said, is there a dead body in that trunk? Is there drugs in that car? Is there guns on him? Is there knives on him? Why is he attempting to get away from the police? Why is he endangering his own life by running into traffic? Why is he endangering others 
in the vehicles as he's running into traffic. He's impeding vehicular traffic, pedestrian traffic. He is causing a bad, dangerous scene. So after 10 minutes, again, like I said, the next step of de-escalation is going to be to get him into handcuffs, right? To not only secure him, to, to make sure he has no weapons, he can't hurt you, himself, or somebody else. It's also to now, if we do believe that either he's schizo or he's he's going out of the picture because he's in a drug-induced state where his heart's racing and his body's burning up, we have to get him to the hospital. We can't sit there and shut down L.A. for eight hours or New York City for eight hours until this guy tires out and wants to go to bed. It's it's not it's not plausible. The scene's way too dangerous for him as well. For him as well. So, you know, the the whole the de-escalation there is get him in handcuffs and get him off the scene. Um, they attempt to get him into into handcuffs. He fights with them. He starts acting irrational. He won't turn over. They're trying to George Floyd me. He starts screaming, help me, help me, help me. Um, I, I think they said the cop deployed the taser six times. Two, the chief said he deployed with the darts in and he missed. And then he said he dry stunned him with the darts out four times where right. he struck him. The chief did go on to say that there is no L.A. does not have a limit on the amount of times you can you can dry stun someone or shoot the taser or anything. Um you know, so we get the, the first video that we get, obviously, is only the video. They're trying to George Floyd me and the taser. Nothing what happens prior. Nothing about why the guy was stopped that day. Nothing about what was going on. And, of course, everyone's saying that, you know, he died via the taser. So he got tasered four times um, while he's resisting arrest, while he's uncuffed, while they're attempting to cuff him. Um, they do get him under control and everyone's like, oh, there's four guys on one. Do you need four guys on one? Yes. Do you want the situation to be safe? Yes. Do you want it to be safe? Not only for him, but for me, for the public? Yes. The Again, I'll say it. The only way for one cop to get somebody into handcuffs that doesn't want to go is extreme violence. Because you are taking their soul from them. You're taking their their fight out of their body. It's the only way. Somebody that does not want to get cuffed, the only way you will cuff them is when they give up to give you the hands. Because it, it's impossible. I don't care how big you are. I don't care how strong you are. Go try to wrestle with uh, your friend who's who's much smaller than you, doesn't work out. Your girlfriend, your boyfriend, whoever it is, try to handcuff them. Let me know how it is all by yourself. But they fight back. They don't want to go. You're not getting that other hand. I guarantee it. Um, and and basically, that's why we outnumber. We don't fight fair. We're not there to fight fair because it is a fight then. We want to take you to the ground. The taser for long, for the longest time, for the last, since it's been uh, deployed about when, when it went mainstream, we probably going on about seven years now six years where every cop has a taser now it used to be just supervisors probably going about six years in that and every shooting every piece of uh of of uh of physical of physical violence that a police officer has used to to affect an arrest or overcome an assault or stop a resisting perpetrator the statement is always made why didn't they just taser him why didn't they just taser him 
So here you go. <laughs> this guy gets tasered. Um, he he be, he becomes compliant. They stand him up. They call an ambulance. They put him on the stretcher. He's completely fine. They're talking to him. Nobody's treating him inhumanely. Uh, police officer escorts him to the hospital. Four and a half hour later, four and a half hours later, he dies. And the initial reports of why he died is a drug overdose. You know what, what's, Steve, what really resonates with me, and I think is even crazy about this whole incident, you and I are, are seeking the truth about policing nation world, nationwide and even worldwide. But if we were to look at this incident and we were to put this, if we were to say, let's just pretend that this was not Los Angeles and this is New York City. That this would ha- would be even worse because in New York City we have what's called the diaphragm law, and I'm sure for our viewers who will watch this, you know what the diaphragm law is by now. But for those that don't know, if you're not a cop, you're in the public, you're not aware of the diaphragm law. It was implemented by the city council where police officers are not do not have the ability to put any pressure on the back on the diaphragm area by standing, kneeling, or sitting to hold someone down to gain control, to gain compliance, to get them in handcuffs. In Los Angeles, I did see that they were applying pressure by putting a, a knee on the back and trying to hold them down and had to use a taser. So if that was in New York City, and I and I have to listen, I find no fault with it. I think the officers did a fantastic job. I think the tactics were great. I think they were extremely professional. And it's unfortunate that he died, but and I do believe it's a result of the substances that he was under. And I'm sure it's probably fentanyl or something else, something that really uh, induces excited delirium. And But if this was in New York City, we would have to apply even more force. We would have to use blunt force, fists, batons, because we don't have the ability to put pressure on someone's back or their chest area because of the diaphragm law. So I hope that the public and city council, you need to look at this and say to yourself, well, the public right now is in outrage because they don't like that the taser was used and potentially exacerbated the excited delirium that this adversary was going through. It's unfortunate, it's tragic that he passed, but the police officers were sent to the scene. Again, it's a mystery and they don't know What's going on? What police officers have to do is protect life. That is the immediate response. And that's what that cop was doing. He was engaging. He was engaging Anderson into a conversation, trying to get him to remain calm, to bring a quell to the scene, to get him to comply, to stay there, to stop running into traffic, and try at the same time make an assessment of what's going on. But they were put into position to gain control of him, to stop him from running to traffic so that they can investigate the scene. Now, John, you and I remember, I think it was during uh, the height of the pandemic, there was uh, two police officers that were involved in a high prolific incident in Atlanta in a Wendy's parking lot where they had someone that was Dewey. They got into a tussle. The adversary removed the taser from one of the police officers. 
And one of the police officers discharged his firearm. And at that time, I remember the public was in an outrage that the police officers had to use their firearms. The police officers, as a knee-jerk reaction, they were fired. They were terminated. And the argument was that the taser is non-lethal. So now here we are for this incident. And the public is outraged saying that the taser was lethal. So again, John, you said this on one of the podcasts, and I agree with you. It's always the same game with different rules every game. So again, here we are. The rules of the game for the taser, for the cop firing shots, it was non-lethal. But for this game, it's now being viewed as lethal. I'm perturbed. So we're, we're trained in the New York City Police Department that it's less than lethal, right? So, you know, that term, like, sticks with me. Could could the taser be lethal? Absolutely it could be. You know what I mean? Is it less than lethal? Um, I don't know. It depends. Again, it depends the scenario. I don't know. If I, if I tase you in a standing up position, you fall down and crack your head, it's lethal. If I tase you and your heart fucking stops, it's lethal. So, it, it, you know, and, and that's the thing. It's, 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 it's back and forth. It's a wordplay. It's good when it's good. And it's not when it's not, you know, depending on the outcome. And again, it's identity politics again, because again, I mean, you know, all I did, I, I asked one question. I said, I just said, what is the cause of death? And, you know, forget about it. I'm not allowed to talk because I'm not black. I'm not allowed to ask a question because I'm not black. Um, I don't know what it's like, even though I've been arrested by the police, even though I've been stopped hundreds of times by the police as a youth. I don't know because I don't have black skin. Um, He was a black man. There was a black officer on top of him. Nobody cares about that. It's still always a race thing. We don't know the race of the officer that's shooting him. He could be an immigrant. He could be uh, of, of, of the, you know, he could be of the Latino community. He could be of anything. But apparently skin color matters when policing. Apparently when you're a cop and you're dealing with a black individual, it's, it's always a suggestion of the left of the anti-police crowd that you are policing them heavier. Oh, if that was your son, again, if that was my son, I don't know what else the cops could have done. I don't. Again, he died four and a half hours later. I just want to know the cause of death. And my thing goes back to just like the, just like the mayor said, um, regardless of the investigation, cha- regardless of the outcome of the investigation, change has to happen. And and to me, you know, that's the most ignorant statement I've ever heard, because, again, if if did the officer's actions cause the young man's death, it matters. It matters. It does. Now, I say, again, he put himself in that scenario. He resisted arrest. If we talk to our youth and told them and, and communities, all communities, communities of color, women, young girls, little boys. I don't care what, what background you're from. If we if we got the message out there, do not resist arrest when you're with the police, go to jail, see the judge in the morning, whether they're right or wrong, we'll figure it out. It's on camera. There would be less of this. But instead, the narrative switches back that the police are bad, the police are racist, the police go after communities of color, 
And we are creating more incidents like this by doing that. We're putting out the exact wrong message to the public that police officers are against them, that police officers aren't members of the community, that police officers are looking to hurt them. So guess what? When that message is out there and someone really is having a mental uh, a mental uh, crisis at that time and they see the cops and they have all this information floating in their head – yeah, I could see them becoming more violent, more irrational, more erratic, more all these things. And who's to blame? Our elected officials in the media. Our elected officials in the media for perpetrating lies when it's when it's not the truth. So this so this young man, he's tased. Did the taser cause his death? Possibly. I don't know. Is is it the cop's fault that he had to tase him? That what did the cop do wrong? What could the cop have done differently in the first encounter? What could the cop have done differently? No one's telling us this. No one's telling us this. Now it's like, oh, the cops just shouldn't be there. We'll get mental health professionals. You know, no one's telling you, oh, the, the part of the encounter, which part of the encounter was wrong, right? No, no, we're not hearing it. Oh, well, he tased them. Okay. The taser was good. You've been asking for the taser for seven years that we should tase everybody, even when they're shooting at us or trying to stab us. So now we use the taser. If the taser killed him, it's not the cop intentionally trying to kill somebody. But that's 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 the narrative. It's like, no, wait a minute. This guy was resisting. He was resisting. He was acting completely irrational. They were trying to bring him to a safe space. They deployed the taser. If he died from the taser deployment, the taser killed him, not the police officer. They gave us the taser to use it, right? They gave us the tool to use it, right? So, boom. Now, if you want to say, oh, he hit him excessively, he hit him excessively, and that shouldn't have happened, okay, that's a fair statement. Then you know what? If we determine that, oh, he was hit too many times, if that was determined, his heart exploded because of that, yeah, there's policy that needs to be looked at. But we have to be talking about the policy and the training and that, yeah, maybe, you know, police work always evolving, should always change. We should always be looking to get better, but we shouldn't be the only guilty party. I want to break down what you said into three parts, because it's very intelligent, everything you said. First, I want to talk about what you said is, is, is so accurate. I used to say that all the time. If every perpetrator that I encountered with my teams out there doing special operations work, if every perpetrator that I encountered for shooting or an illegal firearm just put their hands behind their back when I approached them with my team, I would never have a civilian complaint this, to this day. But unfortunate, in almost every case, because we were pursuing the most violent perpetrators in the poorest con congressional district in the country for shootings and illegal firearms, we were met with resistance. And that resistance elicited a response. And that's where I want to go with the second thing that you said, is the response that we used was less than lethal. In quotes, because I agree with you, it could have been lethal. In many cases, it was a taser. It was deploying punches. Punches could be lethal. It is most likely not to uh, result in the death of another, but it can. It can. I've deployed punches to to get someone to gain compliance, to overcome resistance. That could end up in someone's death. 
And again, I was playing roulette, and I think I was lucky. But that was considered less than legal, less than lethal. But yes, I think what you said is a hundred percent right. And the other thing I want to break down that what you said, and I totally agree, is that the mayor says that we need change. But what is the change that we need? That's all we hear is buzzwords: de-escalate, change. But change what? Do we change what the police officers carry? So now we're not going to carry firearms, no tasers. You you will not. You will wear rubber gloves. I mean, change what? They always say what not to do. What what needs how we evolve need to change need to uh, tear back. But no one says what to do. We have not heard anyone say what these police officers should do. And again, we don't know. I'm not. A, I'm not a, a chemist. I'm not a physicist, and I'm not a doctor. And John, and you can agree, I never had any training to understand that when if I deploy a taser and it hits someone in the heart, does their heart accelerate to certain beats per minute? Um, could it cause something in their brain? That's not something that they teach us. What do we learn when you deploy the taser? If it's a dry stun or prongs hitting someone, it's meant to create a current to debilitate so that we can overcome resistance so that we do not have to use blunt force. The actions of police officers that they take, the tools that they use, are meant to get someone in handcuffs without causing their death, with minimizing the amount of injury. And it is unfortunate that is a byproduct. Sometimes people do get injured, and sometimes they do meet their death. And that's the reality. And that's why we promote stop resisting. So everyone says what you can't do, what you shouldn't do. I'm going to say this. I think the officers did everything right. And I mean it. I'm a firm believer that we should not analyze a scene frame by frame based on a body camera. Because that is not how police actions unfold in real time in real life it's an entire incident we need to look at it in, in its entirety and in its entirety it's my opinion in my experience that the police officers acted appropriately and they did the job it's in their bill they were professional and i think most police officers in this particular incident are representative of respect from our police officers throughout the country. I think I, I think I lost you a little bit, dude. Did we freeze up? Yeah, it froze yeah. up a little bit, but I we, we got what you said. You like you went, you went, you said that they acted properly. Like the police officers acted properly. In your opinion, the police officers acted properly. And you know, again, and for the I don't like what I saw crowd, does it matter? If the autopsy comes back and says that he was high on cocaine and there was fentanyl in the system and that's what killed him, does it matter? Because I'm going to say right now, it doesn't matter. I mean, the mayor already said it doesn't matter. The mayor already said it doesn't matter. You know, the police chief already said it doesn't matter, right? Somebody died. So it's instantly the cop's fault, you know? And that was the same line that I heard from James O'Neill the day he fired uh, Danny Panaleo. It was the same exact line that I heard. Well, somebody died, 
So I'm going to have to fire the cop that I sent there for it because it's his fault that Eric Garner had a 98% blockage in his heart, decided to resist arrest and died that day. It's, it's the police's fault, which it, it, it's mind boggling to me. It's mind boggling how the cops are, uh, are, first of all, we're always guilty. We're not even given due process by the mayors, by our own appointed, by the executives. Um, so it, it, it my, it's mind boggling to me. It really is. It's, you know, could he have, you know, just just throwing things out there. And I'm not saying that this is the case at all, but it's so short sighted to be like, oh, he just got into a scuffle with the cops and they tased him. So the taser killed him. They killed him. The cops killed him. Right. He died because he died because of that incident. When four and a half hours later, he died in the hospital. Is it possible he fucking took he got his hands on some drugs in the hospital and OD'd? Is it possible there was a nurse there and killed him? Is it possible that there was a rival person in there that killed him? All of these things are possible. The facts matter. The investigation matters. The training matters. The policy matters. The steps that were taken that day, what you're witnessing on video matters. Uh, You know what doesn't matter? His gender, his age, the color of his skin. These are things that are just meant to divide and continue, continue to portray police as racist and, and, and portray that we're out in 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 particularly in communities of color and we're out there to cause violence and kill black men and it's a lie the statistics prove it facts matter your feelings don't so when everyone tells me i don't have anything to say i can't say something because i'm white i don't care what you say i will i am giving you my opinion that is meant to shut down because you cannot debunk what I'm saying, nor are you willing to answer the questions that we are asking, and nor can you specifically sit there, go through that video, and civilly discuss what happened and what should be done differently. And I, and again, I, I keep hearing about these mental health professionals. I heard de Blasio say it. I heard Eric Adams say it. I've been hearing city council say it for eight years in New York City. I've been hearing it in Chicago. Now we hear it in LA. Where are they? Get them, have them respond to the 911 calls. I guarantee that program will last less than a week in our major cities. I guarantee you, unfortunately, somebody will die very quickly. I, I agree with you. I, I, I really do. It, it, it's unfortunate. But again, because these are people that don't know the subject of policing. So they think it's an easy job. They don't understand it. And they think that they could do it and do it better. So, I mean, listen, the way that we're going, I think you put a tweet out for this. I don't know if it was you or Facebook from you. I think it was. But the way we're going with the mass exodus, and as more and more young men and women that are going through college right now and they see what's going on, they're saying to themselves, I'm not gambling and taking the job. Even if it was a long life, life dream of being a police officer or a deity in your family to become a police officer, they're saying, and they're hearing it from their other family members, don't take this job because you're playing roulette. So I think you put this tweet out there. Eventually, these politicians and these mental health professionals, they may have to start strapping up uniforms and doing police work. And and it's funny because it's ironic that 
we hear about the defund police movement and how the mental professionals should respond. And we hear the politicians say how we need to decriminalize and demilitarize and de-police and handle things differently. But yet, if we look at the height of the pandemic during the riots and post-George Floyd, look what happened in Seattle and Portland, particularly when they had that shot zone. It was supposed to be a group that was anti-police, defund the police movement. And when they created that shop zone, they had secured zones. They had their own security and they were treating it as a police force because in the end, they knew that was necessary so that they could cre create and keep their zone. They started policing it as a police force. I... I think that it's scary right now. Am I freezing up? No, no, no. I'm laughing. I'm just laughing about the job zone. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen. I mean, here we are. It's scary. I mean, we're in America. What do people want? You, you know what's sad? So I'm going to have a chat with a bunch of my Marine buddies. And uh, every year, we have a reunion. We meet up. Guys went to boot camp. Guys that went to Iraq. And in the chat day, they were talking about places they want to visit and uh, just, you know, places they like to travel. So one guy's pulled up the top 10 countries to live in with the best quality of life. Did you know that the United States was not in the top 10? No, I didn't know that. I did not know that. Yeah, it was not. It's not the top 10 for quality of life. And, and I think that the divisiveness that we have and this, the, the, the political drive to defund the police is, is part of this. It's destroying the quality of life for all in this country. Yeah, I mean, when you have to walk down the block and see human feces, like you can't walk down. I stopped running in New York City towards the end of my career because I was like, I actually, right when, when COVID started, like in 2020, when we just stopped being the police, we started just becoming vaccine salesmen and everything else. Like there was literal shit, human shit, all by the Wall Street bull everywhere. He opened drug use. I'm like, this is, I was like, I can't run around the city. This is disgusting. I'm going to fall on someone's shit. I'm going to fall on human shit. And I know it's human shit because I know that dogs don't wipe their ass with newspaper. Only humans do. So I would see where they wipe their ass with, with the newspaper or McDonald's wrapper or whatever the hell else was it. I mean, and, you know, you're having open drug use. You're you're allowing the mentally ill and homeless to take over city streets, city parks, city benches, all these things that are meant to be used by the community, by tourists by workers, by residents, and they can't be used because they become scary places, filthy places where diseases are coming up. And it's just, you know, and it, and it's just more and more. And again, crime, crime the, is significantly rising, significantly rising. We, I put out the tweet of the last Comstat numbers in New York City. It's it is b barreling up, right? Their whole plan, that whole oh, crime's trending down, bunch of nonsense. And as and as crime spikes, we have the incident in L.A. We have the one to one incident, and you have uh, Assemblyman Robert Carroll, 
comes out with this bill on January 11th. Another knee-jerk reaction to all this. And I'm gonna, I'm just going to read this bill. This is this is how this is how ridiculous, how stupid, how incompetent all politicians are. If you see this guy, you're going to know that he's never been in a physical fight in his life. He's definitely been stuffed in lockers his whole life. Like I, I'm not, I'm not trying to knock him, but you you're, you're going to see that he's never been in a physical fight. He doesn't understand fighting. He doesn't understand police work. He doesn't understand the uses of force. He cannot place himself in that scenario and understand what's going on. When he watches violence, he thinks of a Rocky movie, right? He wouldn't last three seconds in a ring or in a fight with somebody, but he's referring to Rocky and all the things that he would do, right? When he's never done it. And I'm sure he's been in, I'm sure he's a New Yorker. I'm sure that he's seen things that he's ran away from. I'm sure, of it, you know, but, but his response to these two incidents is this he wants to amend he wants to amend the executive law in relation to requiring the termination of any p- police officer peace officer who uses physical force which is not justifiable or which is not part of procedure so immediate termination for use of force and then it's very short and i'm just going to give it to you real quick The executive law is amended by adding a new section, termination due to the use of force. Whenever a police officer or peace officer uses physical force and such force is not justifiable pursuant to Section 3530 of the penal law or such force is not in the procedures on the use of physical force established by the police officer or peace officer's employer, such police officer or peace officer shall be terminated from such position immediately. Such police officer or peace officer shall be terminated regardless if harm is done to any person's or if any complaint is filed against such police officer or peace officer. So completely out of the realm of reality. So I'm just going to give you a scenario. You're going to lock up a 12-year-old girl because she's assaulting somebody. Her sister gets way too close to you while you're affecting the arrest. You say, get back, and you push her. <laughs> Now, she's unharmed. She steps back. She's unharmed. Nothing happened to her. You just use force. And it's subjective now whether that force is justifiable or not. It's subjective into a court of law. You know, because the use of taser was great when, when you stopped a guy that was charging you with a knife. It was great when you stopped a guy that was trying to shoot you with a gun, which is absolutely insane in both of those scenarios. Because in both of those scenarios, you should be using a nine millimeter instead of a taser. But that's when that's when the taser was great. But the taser wasn't great when someone who is exhibiting signs of having a drug overdose, you use it. And then four and a half hour later, he dies. Now it's a weapon of death. It's a tool of death. So here, you know, so that's. 
And now here we are, the use of force, which is not justifiable, you know, and and regardless of if there's a complaint, immediate. So your due process is gone. So if it's immediate termination because somebody says it's unjustifiable, you're done. Your due process is gone. Immediate termination. I don't I don't know who's going to do this job. I don't. You said it before. I hope all these chiefs have kids that enough to fill the ranks of the police department. Honestly, that's what's going to happen because I really don't see I don't see the guy that started this last month. These 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 new kids. I don't see them making their way up to the ranks. This is going to be the last ranks of the police department. You know, they're all sitting on their high holy horse with their three stars and their two stars. Everything's fine. This is a great job as everyone's running. All this legislation's coming down. Everybody's silent. I didn't hear a boo from the PBA. I didn't hear a boo from anybody. I didn't hear a boo from any of the unions across the state. It's not, you know, any of them, any of the, any of the police. I didn't, you didn't hear a boo about this legislation coming down. And guys are running. They're, they're, they're not stupid. These young kids are coming on. They're getting the training. They're leaving. They're going to other states. They're going to other departments. They're going to other agencies. And and honestly, I don't blame them because I'll tell you right now, that's another one. Uh- Take away qualified immunity. You took away the diaphragm law. Now it's when when force is unjustifiable in a subjective form. You're you're absolutely insane to go out there and do police work. You're you're risking not only your life, your freedom, your safety. You're risking your your mental well being. The, the food for your family, the health care for your family. I mean, this is this is insane where this is going. Eric, did we lose you, my friend? I think we lost Eric. Uh, um, I'm here. I hear, I hear you. You hear me? Okay. I lost yeah, you. I, you got I, I, your, your service definitely funky today. Yeah, yeah, it's terrible. Uh, dude, I, I consider myself a pretty intelligible guy, but I have to tell you, I have no idea what that means. I ha- I'm sitting here this whole time and I'm saying to myself, what does any of that mean? Like, justifiable to who? But who makes that determination? I, I honestly, I, I don't even know what it means. What does it mean? Immediate termination. Immediate termination. So basically saying that, and basically in some in substance is what he's saying, is that the systems that are in place now IB, borough inspections, the mayor's thing to combat police corruption, CCRB. Basically, what he's saying is they're inept agencies. The processes doesn't work. Cops are held unaccountable. So we just have to fire cops. Just fire them. That's all he's saying. Fire cops. If they use force unjustifiably, we got to fire them. He's not going to tell you what unjustifiably is. What's unjustifiable? We're saying, we're not even saying excessive, unnecessary. What's unjustifiable? I mean, what if the department says um you know throw a punch like this like this not like this but you cause no injuries that is that unjustifiable yeah what is it i don't even know Absolutely. Anything that doesn't look good. That's why I, I asked. I asked the, the the assemblyman. I asked him if he could change the bill to name it the if it doesn't look good bill, we're gonna fire you. Bill. Because that's what that <laughs> if it doesn't look good, we're gonna fire you. That's what that bill is. If it doesn't look good, we're going to fire you. Oh, he hammer fisted her, but she wasn't injured. Or he pushed her and she wasn't injured. But you're going to be guilty of using force when someone wasn't injured. Insane. And again, it doesn't even say, 
intentionally. Doesn't say doesn't say it's so wide open. It's so subjective. It will be weaponized the way criminal impersonation, the create, I'm sorry, criminal association was weaponized against Sal Greco. It will be weaponized to get the critics off their back. So basically, you end up in that scenario in the one two one. Your due process is gone. They're going to terminate you immediately because the mayor said that was unjustifiable, and the police commissioner is going to rubber stamp it. Without an investigation, rubber stamp it, boom, get him off the job. This kid, oh, sorry, you did everything right, but the guy died. Sorry, Dana, Danny Panaleo, you did everything right, but he had a 90% 8% blockage in your heart. You're immediately terminated. And and then and then we're going to try to bring you up on charges. And then the feds are going to step in and try to bring you up on charges. In Why? why, why? For who's going to do this job? You know, I used to say what's going to happen when all the men left. And, and you know, it's not a knock on you women, but seriously, there's not a lot of men left on this job. Like, what is really going, like, what is going to happen? You're witnessing it. You're witnessing it. You're witnessing it. And Kathy, you say that because we need to know what pronouns that you have. I mean, I, I did hear at the CCRB meeting, Executive John Darsh and a couple other people on the board, they introduced themselves and they said that, Oh, my pronouns are he and, and him. Uh, so make sure that you uh, you explain what your pronouns are. It's very important. Oh, me? My pronouns are bro, <laughs> brah, and mo. Those are my pronouns. What are your pronouns, Eric? Oh. <laughs> 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 when I was working, it was fuck face or suck my dick. <laughs> oh, and... uh. uh Blue eyed white devil. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. That that, that too. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no, it's funny. It's funny well, you I, say that though, because dude, it comes you, into play. You, it's funny you say it. It comes into play. Comes. I'm sorry. Like skin color is like the number one issue now. Well, you know? do we know uh, the, the the police officer that took action at Taser? We don't know what, what race they were, right? We don't know. I don't know. I, I mean. I don't know. I mean, you know, I'm going to say he's white or he's I don't know what white Hispanic is, but maybe he's white Hispanic. I don't know what he is. I don't know. It, it, and it doesn't matter. I see. I see only the really the point of view from the. the no, I see only the point of view from his body camera and I see an officer who is black. And again, it doesn't matter to me. It's it's the scenario like skin color isn't dictating that scenario. Skin color isn't dictating anything there. It's not like if you were there, you're the blonde haired blue eyed devil. It's not like that scene would have went different or those officers would have. Oh, we got a white guy here who's crazy running into traffic. Yeah, we're going to take it easy. Oh, and he's not giving me his hands. Yeah, don't worry about it. We're not going to tase him. It's not happening. It's not happening. What? Why isn't the public? I, also, when I saw this video and I hear the outrage, why the police officers use the taser why the police officers create so much violence why the police officers do so much take so much action how come i'm not hearing anyone the police officers got there it was like the tip of the spear you know it was like it, it was, you ever play a foosball and every time you score they put that little ring on and the rings keep going on that's what it was like it was like to me i, I watched this scene unfold and i say well okay where was this guy's girlfriend, wife, mother to say, hey, uh, you're not right. Don't get behind the wheel. That was the first ring. Where was somebody who said, hey, 
uh, when you involve the police, make sure you comply. You know, don't take drugs. Don't get behind the wheel. If you have a mental health problem, see a psychiatrist, see a therapist. Make sure that you have hobbies. Make sure you have things to keep yourself busy so that if you are having uh, thoughts that make you uh, act irrational, that you're, you're, you're seeking out uh, social responses to help you with that. Where was all that before the police officers? The police officers get there. All the rings have been added on. They're the last piece. They're left with this bag of shit, right? That was, the, that was what we used to say to the police, all right? You got a bag of shit. The police officers that responded, they had a bag of shit. This guy was already on the influence. He already is experiencing excited delirium. He's already gotten into a car accident. He's already running into traffic. I mean, what else can the police officers do? You said it, John. You say it. It's so true. They expect police officers to be the most perfect human beings. Like they were supposed to run up, get this big pillow, throw him on the pillow, wrap him in a blanket. I mean, what do they expect police officers to do? I invite them. Why don't these politicians go to the police academy? Become cops. You you want to help the mental? You want to help the people that suffer from mental health? You don't like the way the police officers do it. You say you could do it better. It's time for change. Let's do it. For the politicians, politicians that are out there, and you think you could do better? Then go do it. Let's fight legislation to remove age discrimination. It doesn't matter what age you are. If you're a 35 year old man and you're in the city council and you think you can do better, then take the job. Show us how to do it better. I guarantee you, after two days, or maybe even after the first day, you're going to be saying, John McCarry and everything, how do you get this guy in cuffs? This guy told me to suck his dick. He got in my face. I was scared. Uh, uh, sorry, uh, we retired. We're not on the job anymore. Uh, we'll be busy at New York's finest retired unfiltered podcast, but we can talk about what happened to you. <laughs> Absolutely. That's all I know. When, I'm telling you right now, when they start asking for retire guys to come back, I'm 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 charging like quadruple. If you want me back, you're paying me quadruple. I want eight hundred thousand dollars a year, like because I'm I, I like it, I, I I probably still don't come back because there's no way to police effectively or properly without doing it wrong. That you're set up to completely fail, to completely fail in big cities. I mean, uh, look at this loser, Adam Schiff. Adam Schiff is, uh, he's, you know, he jumps on, he's representing the 30th congressional district, right? He's a loser. He's from California. He posts only the short clip. He's another one. He posts only the short clip of the guy getting tasered and saying, they're, they're George Floyd to me. They're George Floyd to me. Listen to a statement. We must not look away. We must not shrink from the need for justice for Keenan Anderson. Police must never respond with such force to potential mental health crisis, to potential mental resources and care are the answer. Accountability must be transparent and swift. Hung those cops. Hung them. You know, and he didn't say one fucking thing there that made any sense or that was relative to that incident. He found them guilty. 
You know, this is a, a sitting member of Congress. We must not sh- we must not shrink from the need for justice. So regardless if Keenan Anderson died of a heart attack, died of excited delirium because he had fentanyl or cocaine or anything in his system, those cops must go to jail and be arrested. Just be, be doing cops because accountability must be transparent and swift because and we must never respond with such force. Never. Never. You know, you know, what's funny. You take guys like Adam Schiff, this total loser right here, or Justin Brannigan, your buddy, that other loser. You take guys like them. Let's get. Let's get guys like them. Let's get them to go to the police academy and become cops, L.A., New York, Chicago, wherever you want. And you know what you're going to see? You're going to see more deaths than you've ever seen before. They'll be the first ones to kill people right away because fear is going to kick in and they're going to shoot people right away. They'll shoot unarmed people. They'll shoot people in mental health crisis. You ask me, Adam Schiff, if you're listening to this, or Justin Brannigan, if you respond to that call, I think they would have shot and killed them because they don't know what they're doing. They have no idea when the sphincter in their asshole starts squeezing when someone's not complying with them, running in the street, well, that cop is by himself waiting until backup gets there so he can figure out what's going on. They would not be able to handle it. But yet they critique police officers and they're looking to fire them and put them in jail because it's sexy. That's the narrative. They have no idea what they're talking about. Zero. And the way that they're talking... They're putting lives at risk. So you know what, Adam Schiff, Justin Brannigan, suit up. Put on a uniform. Become a member of the NYPD, LAPD. Pick a city. I don't care. Pick one. Let's see how you do it. Show me. You know what? If you can do it correct, prove me wrong, I'll say I'm wrong. But I tell you what, I guarantee that's not going to be true. And you're going to call me and John and others just like us to help you out. And I'm going to be sitting there laughing. Saying, well, you said you know how to do it. Time for change. I'm with you. Let's change. Let's make it better. I'm always, listen, the one thing that the public cops out there that are listening, we're not here to hurt anybody. We're here to help you. We're here to help you. We want to make things better. We have to seek out the truth. And what's going on here, what's going on from these politicians, the information that they're spewing is a complete lie. And and then unwilling to have a conversation about it. Me and uh, Eric hosted a Twitter space. If any of you guys are on Twitter, I suggest you join us on it. It's interactive. If you want to speak, we'll bring you up. You could speak on the issues. You know, you could uh, do it from a fake Twitter name. We won't see who you are. We'll hear your voice. Um, that's it. You know, you, you raise your hand and turn. But I invited, almost, I invited like a good portion of New York City Council, and not and not the the rubber stamp Republicans because I'm just. I don't even care what they have to say. They're, they're, they're a bunch of phonies. So I invited all the left, including Justin Brannon, and none of them responded. I personally invited all of them. I messaged all of them. I said, hey, listen, I just want you to come on. The name of the Twitter space we hosted was um, police and citizens are equally accountable to uh, to uh, de-escalate scenarios, to de- de-escalate encounters. Um, and you know, it was, it was a good, it was a good debate. I mean, we didn't even really have it. Nobody would come in. You know, I, I have a lot of haters on, uh, on social media. 
Uh, I have a lot of anti-police abolitionists who follow me. So I invited them into because they're always, you know, saying I'm a member of the KKK. I'm a white nationalist. I'm this, I'm that, I'm, you know, I'm a, a extreme mega guy, like crazy stuff, just completely off the wall. So I invited them in. They would jump in and they would write, police have guns and leave. Or they would jump in, you're white. Or then the rest of them were just tweeting. John McCarry's part of the tweet, the, the, the KKK. He's he kills he kills black people. Like all these crazy things because nobody's willing to sit there and have a discussion because they don't know what the fuck they're talking about. Same thing in CCRB. We don't want the police here. This is civilians. This is civilian complaint review board. What me and Erica civilians? I, I can't advocate for the police. I have no problem that you're advocating for the youth. The police, the, the youth should have someone to advocate for them. There should be advocates against police brutality. There should be advocates for more police. There should be advocates for lesser police. There should be an overall body sitting there, unaffiliated, listening to the whole thing and just hearing it out, hashing out the thing. How are we ever going to come to the understanding? when we don't talk to each other, when all we do is point fingers. Somebody died, hang them up, hang them. That's it. And and like Eric said, that's exactly what's going on. You're going in these scenarios. I mean, I'll tell you right now, what is the hesitation level right now for a male white cop when he's encountering an aggressive male black? What is the hesitation level? That is, I'm telling you that... I'm telling you, and I know from personal experience, there is going to be more hesitation for for any cop who is not black dealing with a male black. I guarantee the outcome would be more violent if the if the perpetrator wasn't black. Less chance of violence, more chance of thought, more chance of you getting killed that day because you're worried about how the media is going to spin it. And and I know for a fact because it happened to me. It happened to me. I was chasing a kid with a revolver in his hand. He could have easily did this. He could have easily did that. And I was in an open street and it was just me and him. And I yelled, drop the fucking gun. And in my head, I'm like, holy shit, I'm going to shoot this fucking kid in his back and I'm going to go to jail. Holy shit. And thank God he just he dropped it. He didn't come like this. And I don't know how I fucking seen it, but I seen it. I seen it fall out of his hand because as he was running. And I, I'll ne- that was the thought in my head. Holy shit, I'm gonna shoot this kid in his back and he's gonna go to jail. Because I there was all he had to do is as he was running, bang, and I was dead. Um, and I wasn't gonna let it happen. So you know, my wife was pregnant at the time and, and I, I just witnessed the robbery. Um, and, you know, it was, you know, and then it was. It, it, and so I know from experience, I, I don't think I would have had those same thoughts if, if it was a male. I, I don't. I don't. Did you get a CCRB? Because you did use offensive language. You said drop the fucking gun. I did. I didn't have a body camera, so I did. So they didn't get to search the body camera and find everything that I did wrong that day because I went out there to police the streets in New York so that they could sip their latte and go sit over in a hundred Church Street and uh, <laughs> and critique everything that 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 men do. <laughs> Sick. I mean, we, speaking of CCRB, we we can go go back to sipping their lattes during the height of the pandemic. Anyone with a civilian complaint had to initially go down to 100 Church Street 
to an empty room. No one was there. All the CCRB people would not come there. They, and you had to go do a Zoom from their office when they were home. So I'm, I never get that. I'm doing, I have my civilian complaint. I don't know if you know that, John. I have my civilian complaint. Some of my interviews during the height of the pandemic. I went to 100 Church Street, sat in some conference room, looking at a TV on a Zoom with the CCRB investigator that was home, condemning me for taking police action while I'm working at the height of the pandemic, while this kid who was 20 years old, sitting home, sipping his latte, probably, he was probably in his underwear, because I could only see halfway, and, and I'm sitting there in a full suit in an empty room, looking at a screen. Despicable. We, we were... We were totally mistreated, and that was that was despicable. I, I I thought that was humiliating. Look at this. This is ridiculous. I'm sitting in this empty room. This kid is home. Yeah, and he's asking me why I did A or B, C, and D. Like, really, you're sitting here home. I'm sitting here right now, you know, traveling, tra traveling here, not knowing. No one knew what was going on with COVID yet. I didn't know that they like uh, you were going to die tomorrow. This kid's sitting home. I'm sitting there with my memo book. He's asking me questions. It's the craziest thing. The whole the whole thing's nuts. Sorry to go for the ramp. I I but I I'll tell you. I thought it was funny when we did that CCRB thing. And then so Eric speaks first. You know, there's a ton of anti police rhetoric, anti police rhetoric, anti police rhetoric. One kid gets up and he talks personal responsibility, right? And he's like, "Listen, you know, I've been in trouble. I've been to jail. I walk with a club foot. I got shot." All this shit. He's like, you got to have personal responsibility. He knocks the police a little bit, but overall his message was positive. You know what I mean? I don't think he wanted to lose the room, so he was kind of staying oh, no. proud. Yeah. Um. So he he gets up. Everything else straight across the board. Anti-police. Us first, them. They're out here killing us. They treat us like pieces of shit. They don't understand us. They don't respect us. They don't want to know about us. They don't listen to us. You know, and 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 no real examples like the examples that are given. They're telling you how disrespectful they are. Oh, I had my radio. They told me to shut the radio off. I wouldn't. So they took my radio, you know, and so then I started fighting with them and then they slammed me to the ground. It's like, all right, maybe you should maybe you shouldn't have been playing the radio late at night. Maybe when you if you did and the cops got there, maybe you should have lowered the radio. None of that's going on in this. They're just smashing it. And John Dosh is sitting up there. Just go in the back and file a complaint. Go in the back and file a complaint. Go in the back and file a complaint. So all he was concerned with was getting the complaints, right? They were talking about how limiting um, their power is, that they need more power to find more police officers uh, guilty. So we sit through the whole thing, me and Eric. I was flabbergasted. Eric goes first. Then I go. Then the police commissioner designee goes. And I could tell it was like a sigh of relief. Because he, he was like, oh, my God, I never. He's like, that was a shock. I wasn't expecting that. You know, thanks to the two lieutenants to come here and give their opinions. And he basically said, you know, like, I, 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 there's, there was an overriding tone this night of us first them. And 100% it was. And the worst part of it all is we have all these community organizations there, the heads of them. They're paid with city money to improve and strengthen community relations, to help stop gun violence, to help bring down death in these communities and lead these kids on the right path. And they're feeding them garbage. They're feeding them bullshit. The police hate you. The police want you dead. The police don't respect you. The police don't care about you. And it's all a fucking lie. It's all a lie. Because guess what? 
all the almost every cop I worked with was from a neighborhood in New York City that grew up poor that just wanted to either better their lives and do the right thing and better their communities. And I, I and it goes across the board. I worked with everyone: Chinese, Dominican, Puerto Rican, Black, Haitian, Jamaican, Italians, Irish, Jewish. It doesn't matter. You can name anything. Polish, Ukrainian, Yugoslavian. You can name anything across the board. There are cops that live in communities that go out there that truly care. They care about the little punk kids in the community, too, that aren't doing the right thing. They try to put them on the right path. And the narrative's completely being spun the other way. And and again, you have all this legislation against you. You have everything going against you. And now we have these agencies, including the CCRB. They're not looking to strengthen relationships with the community. They're looking to fucking fire you and treat you like a piece of shit. You know what's it's crazy because there was a time when you when you and I got on, when you and I got on the job, I remember the veteran cops, the old school cops back then would say, kid, I mean, unless you go out there and kill somebody, you're not getting fired. So you always felt comfortable that this job was secure. But the tide has turned. Today's day, it's pretty easy to get fired. And you know what? We saw it. Sal Greco. Hey, Sal, if you're listening, my heart goes out to you, buddy. How you doing, man? But he is a prime example. They fired him because they could. And that discipline matrix is the sword. And they swing that sword any way they want. That discipline matrix can be weaponized any way. I mean, you and I, when we did that podcast, we just scratched the surface. We didn't even go. There's so much more details we go into that there's things that you can get terminated for. I I mean, and now they just want to add more layers to it. This bill that you read, do you think that would get passed or you think it's just a a test run? No, 100 percent it's going to pass. It's going right through. It's going to get smashed right through. Just just look at the wording of it. Nobody's looking into this. Nobody's asking questions because if you ask a question, you're not black, right? You Who are you? You've never been in that situation if you are black. If you are black and you're on the right, forget about it. You're, you're nobody. You're worthless. You're worse, you're worse than the, the, the blonde hair, blue eyed devil, right? And, you know, they're going to ram it through. No one's going to ask a question. I mean, because when you read the bill, oh, if a cop use unjustifiable force, he gets terminated. Who's fighting against that? What politician has the balls enough in New York City, and that could go for girls too, what politician in state assembly has balls enough enough to say this is bullshit? And you know what? I'm going to say none of them, including the two on Staten Island. Mike Riley, former lieutenant. I mean, I, I don't think he'll vote against it. I think he no, I'm sorry, excuse me. I think he will vote against it. I think Tenusis will vote against it on Staten Island. They're Republicans. But they ain't going to say anything about it. They're not going to try to make awareness for their constituents. They're not going to go on the news and talk about it. They're not going to say anything. They're just going to say, and I get it. Listen, they're overwhelmed. They're overrun. On the left, they're going to continue this policy. And and again, it's Martin Luther King Day today. It's Martin Luther King Day. Um, Eric Adams, we have a black mayor here. Um, He's a fucking failure. I, I put out a tweet today. I said he's the Bull Connor of 2023. He's anti-civil rights. He doesn't, I mean, 
he doesn't care. They are perpetrating this city. They are causing more black death. They are causing more black unemployment. They are causing and violating everyone's rights across the board. And then they talk about hate crimes. Right. And that's my fun. That's my favorite one, because I, I always go back and forth with everyone on the hate crime thing. The hate crime thing is my favorite. We need to do more anti-Semitic, anti-Asian, blah, 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 blah. And I keep saying the same thing and nobody grabs it because nobody cares because everyone that supports uh, stopping hate crimes against Jews and hate crimes against Asians or hate crimes against gays, everybody that supports that right or left in New York State, they also support pro-criminal, anti-cop legislation like this bullshit. And I keep saying it. There's no way to effectively bring down hate crimes without effectively bringing down all crime. That's it. Like, and, and, and they're unwilling to do it. So they are creating a hellscape. And I keep telling everyone, my other thing is this. What would you say about Eric Adams if he had blonde hair and blue eyes and white skin? What would you say about him? What would you say about him? I just, I'm just curious, you know, what would you say about it? As a, uh, you know, you, you, it's funny you say that because if, if that was, this, that was the case and some of the stuff that he spews out and when he talks about his plans that is completely ineffective and inadequate, he would be called out on it and he's not. And the second that if anybody attempts to, to call him out on it, he goes right to the race card. And says that he's black, and that people people don't understand he's black in that, in his position. I, I think you're 100 right. You, you hit the nail on the head. People don't like to talk about it. It's an uncomfortable thing to talk about. If it makes you racist to be asked questions, I don't understand what that even means. We should ask questions. We, it, I mean, we were told since we're kids the only dumb questions are the ones that aren't asked. We should constantly raise questions. That's how we raise awareness. That's how. We have more open conversation. We have to ask questions. Why do these things happen? And it's funny. Here we are. It's Martin Luther King Day, right? I think Martin Luther King was a great man. But black people will say they support Martin Luther King. But Martin Luther King would not agree with what's going on right now. Martin Luther King would agree with what you and I are saying. Honestly. He would be completely opposed to these social you know, these social reforms. And, you know, he would say that the people have to be responsible and accountable. And we need to talk about the the, the family, the nucleus of the family. And, and he would not be supporting the, the, you know, this this hugging of the criminals. I, I, I think he'd be rolling over his grave right now. Hundred percent, he would be, and 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 he would be. What do you think? A hundred percent. Last year at this time, Eric Adams is the mayor. You have black and brown women and men and white people and disabled people, girl in a wheelchair. They sit in bubblegum shrimp without a vaccine card to protest the hypocrisy of his. Because I know I know Bill de Blasio implemented it, but he enforced it. Martin Luther King Day, he locks all those people up. And I know, I, you know, I know where I know where Martin Luther King would be. He'd be sitting down at Bubba Gum Shrimp, not showing his vax card, getting arrested. You know, so it 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 makes me fucking laugh. And I and again, I go back to you know everyone's pointing to the color of the skin. I look to a day when we judge each other. 
by the content of our character and not the color of our skin. But today, we judge each other by the content of our character, by our race. By our, uh, we don't judge each other by the content of our character. We only judge by race, by skin color, by socioeconomic background, by your sexual preference, by how you identify. It is insane. We lost the way, you know, and uh, I just I just want to read a quote from Martin Luther King. It's uh, it's a great quote. And he says, there comes a time when one must take a position that is neither safe nor nor politic, nor popular, but he must take it because his conscience tells him it's right, you know, and that's what we're doing here. We're trying to like, we're trying to push back and take a stand. This stand, you know, for those that continue to say that Eric's trying to make a name for himself, that I'm trying to make a name for myself. Believe me, you don't want to trade places with us. You know what I mean? Uh, me and Eric could make a lot of money in New York City. We could have made a lot more money on that job and we could have moved up through the ranks. Um, so this isn't to make a name for anybody. Believe me, all I wanted to do was at least get to my 20. I wanted to study for that last captain's test. I did want to I did want to be a CEO of a command. Um, I did think that I could probably just make change where I was. I didn't think I could change the system overall. But I just thought I could make it better, not only for the men and women that that I served with, but also for the community as well, because I wouldn't be afraid to go out and have those hard conversations. So that time came and went. But like I seen the atrocities in New York City and I spoke out about them and it really placed me on the outs of the entire law enforcement community, you know, and, and Eric, the same thing, Eric's coming out, you know, he, he, for doing his job effectively and being good at it and getting, leading the city in gun arrest for years and years and years, he was put in the position that, I mean, he was lucky enough to get up to the point of 2018 where he was a Lieutenant before all this craziness really came in and they were able to get it. But, from 2018 to 2022, I mean, his career is over now. That's it. He, he's he's going to and, – and what his, his – they they offered him the option of to go inside and not be a cop, and he didn't do it because he was like, this is fucking bullshit. This is what's happening to good people. I can't sit back and take this anymore. I can't sit back and not say anything. People need to hear what happened to me. I didn't do anything wrong. And, you know, so, and that's kind of where we're at. So, I mean, you know, every everyone that knocks us doesn't come on the show. They don't, you know, they throw sneaky little things back and forth on social media. But, like, their responses are are ridiculous. And and then, you know, we'll engage and they will not engage back. You know, so it's a crazy time, my friend. Well, that's why I think, uh, you know, we should send a message out to the unions and let them know. I, I, you know, we understand that we've been mentioned several times at, as being outside forces and and trying to break them down. And, and But what the unions don't understand is we're not trying to hurt you. We want to help you. We want to see you succeed. We don't want to see you fail because we're here to advocate for the cops. We're here to seek the truth. But if we don't indicate and don't identify the failures that you have had, then you can't see any success. So we're trying to help you. But when you when 
when you with the failures that you have, we are going to call them out. They have to be addressed so that we can fix them to go further to help these cops. That's what we're trying to do. We're not trying to hurt you. We want to see the union succeed so that they the cops succeed. But we're not seeing that right now. That's the problem. No, absolutely not. Well said. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah. People are recording the, the audio of the PBA meetings. I mean, numerous people. I get numerous different points of views from it from all over. I listen to it not to hear anybody fail. I mean, everyone's listening to it. The job wants to know. Every union wants to know. Nobody doesn't. Nobody on the job wants Pat Lynch to fail or the PBA to fail. We want these guys to get a good contract. Everybody's curious what's going on. You know, outside forces want us to fail. Do we talk shit? Do we make fun? Are there guys on the internet posting memes? Absolutely. I mean, this is the job, right? But what's going on here is you're hearing real discussion and we're bringing up real points of view from a lot of the men and women in the street. And for you to sit there and not want to hear it is the same thing that we're talking about with CCRB is, is, you know, you're living in an echo chamber and, and it's ridiculous. So yes, we are on your side. We want you to succeed, but we will call you out. Unfortunately, the things we talk about, you're going to be directly involved in. It's going to be in direct conflict with your messaging or maybe your goals. You know, And and again, I'm not going to sit here and say that me and Eric know everything. I know the New York political landscape is horrific. It's fucking horrific. And, and I get it. Like You need Democrats on your side to get any legislation passed, and I get all that shit. But I, you know... Last year, that Kathy Holcher thing, it really was unforgivable to me. And I called it out because I seen it. That didn't come from anybody else but me. Um, somebody sent it to me. And I was like, this is fucking bullshit. I looked it up and I found it. Um, and, and anything like that, I will call it out because it's just I think it's bullshit. It's shit that's being said in the car. It's shit that's being said in the locker. It's shit that's being said on the retired websites and all these other things. And that's it. We're just saying it here. So, uh we're not in direct conflict with you. If you guys were smart, you know, there are things that we could do that you can't do. And there are things that you guys could do that we can't do, you know? So if you were smart, you would learn to work with us better than to treat us as an outside entity. And, you know, I don't, I, I, you know, we're not here looking for anybody to fail. We're not. We're just trying to make things better. We're trying to be an outlet and give the truth because the media obviously is not. The media is obviously not our friend. Uh, the majority of people that are going on the media at these news appearances, I mean, they're no better than the exec- the high executives in the NYPD selling the line. Oh, cops and community together. We're better. Crimes down. Crimes trending down. Best last nine weeks of the year. Yeah. I mean, me and Eric were thinking about sitting there and actually going through it and figuring out what was the best nine weeks of the year ever in crime. But I'm like, it's not even worth it. You know, it's not even worth it. You know, it's just a bunch of bullshit. And here we are. It's the first uh, 15 days of the month or whatever. And we almost already broke the 28th day. You know, we almost already broke the 28th day. We blew past the the, um, the seven day. You know, it's so crazy. Right. But, but the police department does a great job of manipulating statistics and that, and then unfortunately that's what is it with statistics and we're seeing that comset initially was a great idea in theory but here we are so many years later comset is now 
it's distorted and it's used to manipulate the system. It's it's just a game. And and that every commanding officer knows exactly what the year looked like prior. Here we are. We're in week two of 2023, and I can look. What was week two? What did it look like in 2022? Well, I had seven major crimes. I have to I have to make sure monitor my complaints that I get seven or, le- or, or less so that I can keep up with the numbers. It's just a game. They're manipulating. I've never seen a combat. I went to combat for eight years as a special operations lieutenant, and especially in the South Bronx. We went to combat at one police plaza about every six weeks. And I never saw at that time a nine-week look back. Never heard any commanding officer have to give a presentation and show accountability for what was trending in the past nine weeks. I heard 28 days. I heard 64 days sometimes. But I've never heard nine weeks. Never. <laughs> it's quite interesting. <laughs> nine weeks. Yeah. yeah. Kemper. Information that you put out in that interview with Dean Memminger was an abomination. You should be ashamed of yourself. I don't know how you sleep at night. How you actually lie right through your teeth with a straight face. But obviously, you just like I said, you're a cop. You're going out there and you're going to the casino. You are one of the dealers at the casino because you held a straight. I don't want to play poker with you, my friend, because you sure as hell. Can lie right through your teeth, and then to go even further, you blame the cops for the forty percent increase in assaults when they take action. You blame them because when they took action, they got assaulted. They shouldn't have gotten assaulted. Maybe if they did a better job, they wouldn't. Or maybe when they got punched in the face, they would charge resisting arrest instead of charging assault. You freeze up. You there? Yeah, yeah, no, I'm there. I'm here. It's uh, no Comstat. Listen, it, it like the messaging and Comstat does not mix, right? The 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 messaging that goes out on the news media and then what's being told in Comstat are two totally different things. It's two totally different messages. And again, Comstat's being used just as improperly as UF250s were being used at the height of it. You know, it's being used to almost penalize and belittle commanding officers. For crime spikes, what's going on? What's going on? Why are the arrests down? Why are why are we getting these shootings up? When you know, when and, and, and today, I would say it's almost unreasonable to even ask a commanding officer or officers to be responsible for these crime patterns anymore. When it's like it's literally like standing on the ocean and the fucking water's coming up, and you're taking a bucket saying, "Make sure the ocean doesn't come up." Stand on the shoreline. Make sure to take this bucket. Make sure the ocean doesn't come up. You're locking all these people up, and they're just right back out on the street every day. And 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 that's for v- repeat violent offenders. Now now t- take that into gr- uh, you know petty larcenies, grand larcenies, burglaries, uh, robberies. These people are out are totally unaccountable. Totally totally unaccountable. Commands that were always safe havens and had low crime 
are spiking through the roof. There's carjacks going on all over. There's car break-ins all over. There's larcenies in every store. I mean, and you're going to sit there and ask the commanding officer what's going on. You know what's going on? When you stand up at the fucking podium with the mayor and you talk to the mayor, be like, hey, what the fuck are we doing about these DAs? Because until we get that done, until we get that straightened out, we're fucked. Now, what could we do to get this anti-police legislation off these cops' backs and off their head and let them go out there and police fucking properly in the city of New York and safely and routinely and in order to drive crime back down, in order to bring businesses back, tourists back, residents back. I mean, we're doing the exact opposite of anything that makes sense. And then these guys are walking up on the podium and, you know, and everyone's being blamed. Every team in the precinct, whatever your job is, every team in all these specialized units, you're being blamed for the rise in crime that you have absolutely nothing to do with. I mean, because again, the numbers are still there. I think you guys are crazy. I always thought Eric was crazy when he was going out under de Blasio. I think you guys are crazy, but I applaud you doing it. I mean, you know, I applaud you doing it. I wouldn't do it. I don't, I, I just, I don't see a win in any shape, way, or way, shape, or form. You're being set up for failure. I, and I, and I personally think Eric got a little lucky and got out and got out because they were truly looking to terminate him for no reason for doing his job. And, and if you do your job effectively, you will be in that same scenario. And, and like I said, if you're a young man and you start out hot and heavy the way Eric Dim does, I could guarantee you will not make 25 years. And I'm saying you're following policy, you're following training, you're following the law, and you go out and do your job and you do it effectively, you are going to be fired. You're never going to get promoted. You will not make 20. You will not make the 25 years that's required of you today. You won't even make the 20 if it was 20. You'll, you will be a blackballed. You will look like, forget about it, your record. Eric Dim will not be the most complained about cop. On 50A, he'll be like number 800. They won't even know who he is. He won't be number one anymore. <laughs> well, then 799, 799 people have to help me out there. That's, a, <laughs> that's 100% right. Everything you said, you know, it used to, also going back to what you said before, it used to irk me when we would go to content because, you know, in the de Blasio era, the information that was coming down through the pipeline down to the cops was, is in the de Blasio area, was not to do intrusive police work. NCO program, the Naval Coordination Officer was the way the department changed gears. We're going out there, we're handing out ice cream, we're doing community meetings. We're not going out there to make arrests. Uh, we're not going out there to even write summonses. But then I would go to Comstat and shame on you, those executives that would sit there at the days and say, well, what's going on in your command? Why are we up in crime? What are these guys doing? You know exactly what they're doing. They're not doing intrusive police work anymore because that was the information that came through the pipeline from you. And then they had to like, I used to say, are we going to talk about the big elephant in the room? You guys told these cops to not do intrusive police work. And now you're saying, why the hell are we up in crime? Why do we have robberies at this location? Six of them? Well, because no one's doing intrusive police work. They just stand there watching. We had potted plants. That was it. Small hand of the police officers doing legit intrusive police work. And the rest of them in the de Blasio era were handing out ice cream. 
and doing community policing, and it's just not effective. But that's how they address the comms night. It was ridiculous. I, I, I always said, is someone going to address the elephant in the room? No. It said the commanding officers played the game. Uh, you know, uh, uh, we put the guys at this location, and we have so many people working on overtime. Bullshit. Yeah. Wow. It's it, dude. And then on, it's just it's it's insane. It really is. It's 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 more just nonsense. It's more bullshit. And that's that's all they keep doing. They just keep feeding the bullshit down the pipeline. It's the same thing with the mass exodus. It's the same same thing. They don't. They won't even acknowledge oh, yeah. the vaccine mandate. Will not acknowledge it at all. I mean, I talk to people. They look at my face and they they like they try to tell me like they you know it's not that it's not that. I'm like oh it's not that. I know thousands of people that left over. It's not that. Okay, it's not that. It's not. It's not all the shit that's coming down. Oh, it's still a good job. It's still a good job. I'm like yeah for who for you. You're an executive. You know it's not a good job for the men and women. It's not a good job to be a captain. It's not a good job to be a lieutenant. It's not a good job to be a sergeant. It's not a good job to be a police officer. Unless of course your father was a police commissioner or a three star chief. Then it's a then it's a very good job for you. It's a very 100%. good job for you. You're going to go to a lot of award ceremonies. You're going to go to a lot of dinners. You're going to go to a lot of sports games. You're going to go to all those things, you know, and it's going to be a great, great experience for you to be a police officer. You're not going to stand your ass out and sweat your balls off at the West Indian Day Parade for three days, you know, in a row and then go right back to work after you made the collars. And you're not going to go sweat your balls off on the 4th of July. And you're not going to freeze your ass off on New Year's. And you're not going to do the Thanksgiving parade so that you could go home and hang out with your family. And you're not going to do every fucking parade that New York City has to offer. Um, but it'll sort of be a great job for you, you know. Every Everybody else will be fucking working their asses off, overworked, understaffed, underpaid, fucking mental health in the garbage, scrutinized 17 ways from Sunday. And, and you know, and I don't know. I, I, I think you're 100% right. They got They better start having more kids. So, I mean, I don't know. It's 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 all lies. Yeah, I'm sorry. What would you say? I hope that former committee. I hope that former Commissioner Dermot Shea has more kids. I hope that Chief Temper, I hope he has more kids because I know he's got somebody on the job. I hope that all these chiefs that are there, I hope that you go out and you get and you have more kids. I hope you have nephews and nieces and sons and daughters that can fill the ranks of this job because for the kids that are out there, smart enough, you see what's going on out there. If you decide to become a cop, unless you're working in maybe Florida, you're playing roulette. You're going to the casino, and the house always wins. You may win a couple of hands, but you're going to lose the game. You're going to lose, and you're going to lose big. No, absolutely. So, everybody, thanks for tuning in. Uh, we got a couple of great shows lined up for this week. Um, we'll get them out as quick as we can. You know, please, uh, please follow us on Rumble. Please follow us on YouTube, uh, Apple, whatever. I think we just broke the top 100 in Apple. Uh, for daily news um so that was pretty that's pretty big uh so i appreciate all you guys for listening um we're gonna be dropping some t-shirts and stuff soon um we're working on that now and i appreciate all you guys for tuning in man eric you got anything to end on no listen thank you for listening i mean for the cops that are out there we're here to help you 
for the public to educate you about what the cops do. That's our message out here. We want we want the system to work. We want citizens to be safe. We want the cops to be protected. That's why our message to the unions, we're not trying to hurt you. We're not trying to hurt you. We're an outside force. We're not, actually, we're an outside force that can fit. So we're a great resource. Things that you can't do. Uh, but we're here to help. We want to see you succeed so that the cops succeed. That's, all. that's, that's, that's my note. Thank you very much. Be safe out there.